Good morning. Um, welcome to uh, In Conversation with Coco Schreiber, sitting on the couch. And this session uh, will be uh, hosted, moderated by Ryan Harrington. Coco has, a, um, for me personally, a fantastic film in the uh, competition, the feature length competition, How to Be a Mermaid. Um, another very challenging, this time quite personal film. Um, but I think Coco is also wor always working from a very uh, personal motivation drive to make her films. And um, I'm looking forward to, to listen to what drives you to make these beautiful films. And the session will be moderated by Ryan, as I said. Ryan is uh, um, a guest of, of the festival for many, many years. Uh, first, he came here for... Uh, on behalf of Tribeca Film Fund, and now he's working at, Tri uh, at Discovery Channel. And um, this might seem a bit like out of the range of the type of films of Coco does, but um, Ryan told me that he loved the films from Coco, especially also he was very hooked by First Kill, a film which is set in the US, but maybe you can talk about that a little bit later, for sure. Yeah. Okay, over to you. <laughs> thank you so much, Adrika, and thank you for everyone uh, for coming. Um, as Adrika said, I'm Ryan Harrington. I'm the director of documentaries and specials for Discovery Channel. And um, well, I have an iguana in my film. You do? So, yeah. Then uh, I could totally buy it. You have a beautiful swimming iguana in your film. A swimming iguana, and it was the first uh, iguana seen swimming captured on film. So I saw that uh, a couple of months ago, and I said, "Let's get." I that. have never seen. I don't know how we're going to use it, but we're going. It would be great. We, we can start a, a an internet meme and send it all around. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I really am so forever grateful for uh, Adrika and her team for inviting me to to host and moderate this session because uh, I never um, know Coco's work uh, until a few weeks ago. Um, like so, millions of those. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, um, you know, I spent the past few weeks watching your films and became immersed in them and can't get them out of my head. Um, you know, this, this um, you know, you have a filmography of three feature docs, which is small. However, it's so profound in its way that you treat themes. You, you tend to look at big, broad themes that somehow pull emotional, humanizing, Nice. 
<laughs> and then when did documentary first come into your, your eyes? Um, I really didn't know what I was going to become. I, I painted a little and um, I had traveled a lot and I really had no clue. I, I was good at nothing. I had no talent for anything except talk a lot and doing nothing, which I later turned into a film. Mondays and Strawberry Farms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to that. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a boyfriend who, who wants to become a cameraman, and he said, why don't you uh, go and work on, on feature film sets, because you're a painter, and you can do the art direction. And I had no idea what art direction was. I, I thought, if you film in a room, right. this room is there, you know? I had no idea that this room is being made, and that there wasn't a concept conceptual idea behind it. And then I uh, was on the set first day and I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be somebody in the film, I'm going to be the boss of the whole film. And, and Dutch feature films are mostly not so good. Uh, we had a lot of fun on set and there was, seemed to be a rule that the more fun you had on set, the worse the film was. <laughs> and uh, so I had a lot of fun and I always thought that I was going to write stories and then also make, uh, become a uh, fiction filmmaker. And then I got some money, just uh, very little, not enough to, to live on or make a movie of. Then I thought, okay, we can make a documentary of it. And that was really an eye opener. We went to New York to um, film a cab driver who was really a saxophone player. And he compared the hectic um, traffic to his plane on the set. And we filmed on film. We had eight rolls, that's it. And one roll is 10 minutes. Uh, so it was really exciting. And at, at that moment when we were shooting, and during the daytime, we, we shot at night only. And during the daytime, I was uh, listening back to the sound of what the cab driver had told us. And then I was watching on TV how O.J. Simpson fled in his white Bronco. You know, I've wow. seen that live. So. And I actually came to New York City for the first time that night too. Really? Yes. How come we had a and, and I also am really good at doing nothing. So <laughs> that's what I have a lot in common. Yeah. So did that become a short film? That became a short film and um, I showed it to the TV network. And they said, it's great if you change the opening and um, uh, uh, because the viewer want to know who is that man talking, what is his age, his name, how much does he weigh, and then we will uh, screen your film. And then I thought, that's not what we're going to do. So it was never on TV and I sent it out to a couple of festivals and then I won the first prize in Rome and I thought, yes, yes. finally something I am Good. And you only shot 80 minutes? Uh, it was 14 minutes. 14 minutes, but each, each canister, you had eight canisters. Yeah, film, but you so. know, you, you have to shoot 10 minutes for one good minute. So come. that's quite impressive for your first time. I have a really good cameraman as well. Do you ever pick up the camera? <coughs> no, I think I'm not that kind of filmmaker. I think uh, camera is really uh, a profession. And um, yeah, when you shoot, when you, you're framing something, it really is a rule that every frame is a picture. You're telling something. 
It's not just a registration of the reality, which a lot of uh, documentaries look like normal reality. And it's very hard to tell in image a meaning of a feeling or a story. And there are just few cameramen who are really, who, who excel at that. In Holland, maybe four or five. And you work with them, the same the cameramen? Uh, I work with one for um, four films, and this one I went to Denmark with uh, Lars Grey, mm -hmm. who filmed the act of killing and the look of science. Not, not, yeah. not bad. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But not good enough. <laughs> okay, well, so speaking of film, um, so you made um, your first feature film in 2001. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned, that first kill, um, which deals with um, the addiction of killing. Um, that is all gone now if you, if you want to uh, go to war in Iraq or other places. 
credentials and you're just going to certain parts, you will never get as close to the Pariyamana as, as in Vietnam. It's really interesting. Should we, I think we have a clip, actually. Should we, should we play the yeah, first sure. First kill? Okay. They were in Golden Wars. We need body count. We need body count. More body count. Rather than kill. And actually, you don't have to find a war to be to a kid or really. But people just hate to have to kill and be able to do it. You have an automatic weapon that's something about. When you pull the trigger, it's simply feeling in your hand. And when you're behind a 60, that the guy was in the chopper, the guy was telling me, you don't have to like, do short version. The more I was in, the more I was told, I can kill it. I already know because the air doesn't get it. And it's, it's a certain feeling. It was easy to pull the trigger, just another finger out there. I guess the finger becomes psyched up to it. It was the enemy. It had to be killed. Sometimes it's unnecessary to kill them. He's that six or seven years old. We had you didn't think about it. You didn't think, man, I killed a little kid. Man, you didn't think about that. No one wants to kill kids up uh, molesting that, killing them all up, you know. So that's more unnecessary. They will end up in one thing. You do what you have to do. Why did you kill him? Because my camp.
he just choked up inside and it, it was silent in the room for a whole minute, you know, and all the time uh, I just wanted to say, oh, forget I ever asked that, let's go out and have a beer. This is just a bullshit movie. And all the time, you know, I have to stay quiet. Uh, probably the cameraman is making really great shots. This guy is going to say something if I shut up. But it's really hard, you know, because you don't want to put them through it. But they want to tell you. That's why you are there. And um, every once in a while in the film we build up a scene. This is where tourists in, in Vietnam went to the battlefield as a tourist experience. So one guy says in the film, well, it's, it's like Disney. Actually, it's better than like Disney because it's real. In fact, it is real. You know, they, they don't, it's, it's very hard to understand that this is real. When you see these men uh, talking about babies and kids, you know, we in this room have never, hopefully, killed anyone, so we, we don't know that feeling. So if you finally see somebody pull the trigger and louder and louder, this is what it feels like. And hopefully that gets this feeling across. Yeah, well, I can certainly feel it, just from that small clip taken out of context. <laughs> um, how did you get these men to, to open up to you, especially as a uh, I don't know, maybe it's because you are an outsider. Um, I don't know. What well, um, I, I think as a filmmaker, you have to be very upfront, not beat around the bush, not say, you know, hi, I'm from Holland, and how interesting, and blah, blah, blah. You just have to be very honest and say why you're here for. You know, if, if they would have sensed that I am there just for the sensational stories, and uh, I, I said, I want to know if I'm capable of doing it. And please tell me how you were capable of doing it. If they would have felt that I was judgmental, uh, I would use them in any wrong kind of way. They would have never opened up to me because these guys have, you know, lived on, on the verge of their nerves and instincts in the in the jungle. So they know in a second if I'm if I'm uh, okay with them. Did you have to spend a lot of time with each of them? No, actually, we we didn't have a lot of time for three guys. Uh, I just had tw 20 minutes of, uh, with each and every one of them. <laughs> so that, then suddenly you feel really the adrenaline and the focus and you think, okay, I can't mess up here, I can't talk about something else, you know, what is it like to live in New York nowadays? No, you have to be... It's really interesting because so many filmmakers invent themselves for, for weeks or months or sometimes even years to, to yeah. get people to be this... Well, I, I think when, when I teach uh, uh, workshops, I always say that you need, as a documentary maker, you have to have two things. You need to be flexible and you need to have guts. You have to do it. Just do it. And it's really, uh, when you're sitting there, you think, oh, I have to ask that question. Just do it. That's why you came there for. And they are going to expect it anyway. We don't have to have small talk in order to get there, you know, that in 20 minutes they're going to be tired, and they're, they're waiting for that question. Mm -hmm. So I, I just did it in 20 minutes, and that's it. Did um, they ever see this film? Did you show them? Yeah, one, one guy, um, <coughs> he uh, it was sh shown in New York, and he came over, and um, he had just won the lottery. He won the lottery, <coughs> he had one million bucks, 
So I said, <laughs> I said, are you happy now? He said, my wife is, uh, you know, and, and he uh, went into the theater with his wife and sold out. And after a while, people noticed that there was one of these Vietnam veterans present and he walked out after 20 minutes, couldn't take it. Yeah, but, but you felt the whole theater breathing as one, right? Very intense screening, yeah. And where did the, where did the film premiere? Um, here at IFA, I think, yeah, in the competition, feature length. So yeah, we didn't have to look at it. Yeah, it's a beautiful film. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I, I encourage you guys to, to take a look at the, the entire thing. Um, well, I it's be interesting because somebody uploaded it on YouTube. You have to uh, uh, first kill a Vietnam documentary, then you can find it. But the comments are so interesting. What are they? What are they must range from. Uh, yeah, you know, like you you filmed only psychopaths, and I think these guys were just 18 year old guys sent out to do that, and we wanna you know write them off as psychopaths when they come back. But I found found them really sensitive, sweet guys who were very honest about what had happened. And one Iraq uh, 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 veteran wrote. Every now and then I watch this film because it soothes the pain. And then I think, wow, okay, yeah. But that, that's the best, I don't know if it's a compliment, but that, that then you think, well, there was a motive to, to make this film. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's, let's fast forward. Yeah. Uh, to <laughs> to some that. more lighthearted. <laughs> to a little, light, less, a little more lighthearted, to uh, 2008. Okay. Um, your film, which won the Golden Calf Award, uh, which is a very funny name. Um, yeah, uh, which well, is it's not this. <laughs> I was thinking of a baby cow. Yeah, a baby cow, yeah. <laughs> um, which is, I guess, the Dutch equivalent to the Academy Awards. Yeah. Um, and that film is Bloody Sundays and Strawberry. No Cups. one ever gets that title wrong. Bloody Mondays. It, it's written in front of me, People sorry. say Blue Mondays or Bloody Sundays or you know, I don't know why it's I have to make bloody it pie so pie it's a <laughs> uh, title, but... Uh, Strawberry Mondays and Bloody <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, Again, another brilliant moment, and I have to ask this, because this is, the film opens with uh, a voiceover, John Malkovich, yeah. stating that the film is a mix of notes from Dostoevsky's uh, Notes from the Underground and Brett Easton Ellis's uh, American Psycho. Yeah. Okay, what <laughs> crazy person can put these two things together, to, to well, these two works of art or literature? A crazy intention person, yeah. because uh, I had read Dostoevsky when I was younger, and then I read uh, American Psycho, and suddenly I thought, that is actually really the same book. That is Dostoevsky all over again. Notes of the Underground is a very distinct book of Dostoevsky, very different from the rest. And, um, so there, there's just 102 years in between yeah. those writers. And then I read the preface of uh, Ethan Adams' book, and it said, he quoted Dostoevsky's notes of the underground in that book. And I thought, see, I, I got that. And then I took out um, uh, lines from, 20 lines from each book. And uh, once I started editing with them, I, I couldn't, 
first I knew exactly which quote was from which book, and after a while I couldn't uh, see the difference. Well, that's why I found myself the entire film trying to figure out which, yeah. which book it was from. Well, they both talk about the most bored human being, and that, that's what happens in both, both books, and uh, they do it perfectly well. And then you have the voice of John Malkovich, who I wrote a letter saying, since you have the most boring voice in the world, I think it's only normal that you should... Really, was uh, that what you said? Yeah, <laughs> 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 well, I, I said it in a very elaborate way. I, I wrote, I, I uh, worked for three weeks on this letter, really. I can say it very funny right now, but I was sweating my ass off, trying to think, okay, here's an extremely intelligent man who is, has probably a very ironic sense of humor, you know, you're trying to figure out what kind of person is this. And then I read that he um, liked to do embroidery on set, you know, needle point. So I embroidered my letter to him. I thought, maybe that's going <laughs> to work. That's amazing. So but you, you I, I, I can't do needle point, of course. So, so I went to an elderly home, just around the corner here. And um, I, I asked your grandmother, I gave her 50 bucks and a bunch of flowers. I said, can you? But it was three pages long, and, and so after one line, she said, "Fuck." <laughs> so you had to get one line embroidered. Yeah, there were coffee stains all over <laughs> it, and I thought, oh, "Now what?" In the meantime, I had, you know, gotten his uh, email because I sincerely believe that everybody's connected. You know, you're always four handshakes away from somebody. So I thought, "Who is four handshakes away?" And then I uh, sent him this email with this letter and I, I you know I, I mailed it at six in the morning because for some reason I thought this guy gets up early, checks his mail, and at eleven at night I got a mail back saying, Dear Miss Schreiber, I found your proposal hilariously intriguing. Cheese? <laughs> but then I thought, okay, uh, we, we were going to have tea in Paris and I didn't have an embroidered letter which I had bragged about. So then, then I went to some guy who uh, works for the Dutch football team who embroiders the, the logos. And he uh, did it on the machine, but really slowly, really slowly. And I had to catch the train to Paris. And in the meantime, I thought, what to wear, you know, because John Malkovich is a fashionista. And then I thought, oh, forget it. I'm, I'm not an actress. I'm a director. So I just dressed in black, but with amazing shoes really high heels, they were extraordinary. So I, you know, tiptoed to his hotel, exhausted, sweating like a pig. And then we had this very funny conversation about everything except the film. And then he bent over and he said, I love your shoes. Nice. And I thought, I'm in. I, I knew it right there. That's amazing. Yeah. And I said, do you want to see my film for a skill? And he said, I think it's going to be fun. Wow, that's a great story. Yeah. I don't like Mondays. This lives up the dead. I have to go now, she said. 
you see a scene where uh, the, uh, the, the, the we are waiting for a train, so the things are coming down. We are waiting for the train, and the train isn't coming. You know, and it takes a minute and a half. And uh, some people really liked it. They said, "Why didn't you make it longer?" I said, "Well, because obviously then the train was arriving." And other people said. Which looks at suicide 
um, and our kind of fascination or connection with the sea? Well, it, it is, I really struggle with this one. Most subjects I have them in, one, in an instant, I think, yeah, boring. Because after first kill, I was so tired, I just laid on the couch forever and ever. And then after a while, I thought, this is really my kind of, you know, horizontally living is my yes. <laughs> style. And uh, I, then I thought, that would be a great subject. You know, why don't we uh, do nothing a little bit more? Why do we work so hard? What is the true reason? You know, what are we afraid of? And then I thought, it's going to be a really difficult subject. So I postponed it. But in the meantime, I was thinking of all these shots. And if you want to talk about casting, about the different people. You know, I, I had a nomad. still went to his job every day. And, um, <coughs> okay, but, but those were clear-cut subjects. Uh, and this film came in bits and pieces. You know, actually I thought, um, I was watching YouTube channel and, and uh, you know, I was looking at uh, video clips from the 80s, you know, The Cure, Out of Blast, I felt a bit nostalgia. Then I watched the film from the 1930s and I thought, what's that? and I saw something sad and a stand-up comedian and I went through this range of emotions within, in five minutes. And then I closed the computer and, and all these feelings were gone. And I thought, what is my real feeling, my real emotion, my state of mind? What is really truthful? And I thought, if you kill yourself, well, I'm a happy person, but I'm always concerned with that and the dark side. One of these state of minds, but ten minutes later you would have felt different. Would you have done it? So I thought if you, you know, manage to um, pass surpass these state of minds, you might have still lived. And uh, so that then slowly I got into that different ways of perception. You know, the, the world is always the same. Only we look at it differently depending on our moods. So you. you never really trust what you are seeing and what you're feeling. Yet in these states, in, in How to Meet a Mermaid, my brother disappears in the water, uh, Rebecca uh, jumps off a Disney cruise, and you do strange things. And, uh, and, you just, and you literally just finished the film. Yeah, Friday at 3 o'clock at night, it was yeah. done. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, uh, you, you, you'll be amongst the first to, to see a small portion of
Disney Plus, all the way through this, Disney Plus. Which committed suicide was because of him and what he did in the room that night, what he encouraged them all to get involved in. shooting because you're making a shot and you're focusing and trying to follow 
person. And I was walking around with um, uh, a sound uh, device and, to, and wired here. And then I went to interview uh, girls like Rebecca, who worked on the ship as a steward. Uh, so I interviewed them. And uh, after the second day, I was talking to one of this, these girls. Two security guys came over to me and they just sat really close to me, you know, like this close. And one was sitting like this and giving me the stare down, just staring at me. And the other one was asking questions. Yes, what are you doing? Because we, you are uh, asking around and, and what are you up to? And my, my heart was in my throat, you know, I thought, can they see the wires that are right here? It was like 30 degrees, so I didn't know if my t-shirt was showing anything. So I hadn't anticipated this, you know. I thought I always, I, th I always thought I would be a very good James Bond undercover <laughs> kind of person, which uh, wasn't the case. And I thought I heard myself say, "Well, I'm writing a novel, and you know, I, it's a love story between one who's working on one cruise and on the other cruise, and they never meet." And I thought, "Great, great story, bitches," you know.
spiritually or emotionally? Thinking. What turns you off? Work. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word? Fuck them.
how many people he killed and uh, how did he keep count by cutting off the ears and hooking them on his belt. And he has a really great story about it. And then I asked him, how does it feel? And then he's afraid to say it on camera and he said, I said, how, to what could you compare it? To sex, he said, very honestly. And all the time in the scene before, we had a low sort of engine humming noise, very low. And when he says sex, we stop it. And then in the whole theater, you feel the, the, yeah, the implosion of sound and discomfort when he was saying that. So that is how you emphasize what people do with films. So sound is a really great thing to work with. And I have very sensitive ears, so
allowed to, to be on your film. And yesterday I gave a master class and I told everybody there are three lines of film as a director that you need to master, which is, and, and one of them is the word no. You have to dare to say no to everybody. And the people you're working with, your broadcaster, and your producer, and the film fund, and everybody, they are not your enemies. They, they want as much as you to make a great film. So they have advice and they have ideas. But their advice and their ideas come from them personally. And since you make very personal films, if you know, uh, you have to follow what you see as valuable. Um, so sometimes you take somebody's advice, and like Barbara said, why don't you kill your brother? Which I hate it. I could have come up with that myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, you have to dare to say no, even to the best of us. Otherwise, you, you, you're making a film that is uh, part producer, part so-and-so, and filming is not a democratic process. It is teamwork. Right? You can't do it alone. Uh, that's why Brian is so great. It's just you. But uh, in the end, it's, it's you with the overall view of what it's going to be. So you have to be. I really like. <laughs>